Welcome to the Echo Church Podcast. Echo is a group of people in Cincinnati, Ohio, who love Jesus, love hanging out, and are navigating the ups and downs of our faith together. We're glad you're here. We're now in our series called Journey of the Redeemed. It's a study in the book of Luke, and as we explore the life of Jesus, we also examine our own journeys shaped by him. I'll begin with a little bit of a morbid thought. I'm sure that's just what you needed for your day. But I was thinking this week, like, have you ever been to a funeral and you learned something new about a person? I was thinking about this week, uh, an, an older gentleman who I grew up in church and he, he seemed old to me then, but apparently he just actually got old. He's always so kind. My parents were at the funeral this week and I didn't get to make it down, but it just, just had my mind going, like, Every funeral I've been to, I learned something about somebody. Even my grandparents, who I was so close to, all four of them. But I got to a service, and someone would share a story. And they would, they would tell me how this person that I adored, and I had my own stories, they would tell me something special, something that only they knew, where their lives were impacted by these people that I loved. And that's, there's a beauty in that, I think. Because when you can, when you can go and you can, it can be someone that you know so well, but you hear, you hear this story because we're always shaping each other. We're all interconnected. And to find out these fascinating stories, this like, sometimes it's a secret humility. Like you didn't know a person had been serving another life, another community. You didn't know what they did for their church. Until, until the funeral. There's something about that. And as a nation, we've gotten to know some people this week. We've met some people this month. Sadly, at their funerals. We've met people from Buffalo. We've met people from Uvalde. We've met old and young lives. And it's sad because we didn't get to know them in their life. And we're not going to forget soon how they violently died. But I want us to take a moment and just just think about some of their stories because how they lived mattered. So I wanna I just want to look at four stories this morning. I want us to meet Ruth Whitfield, age 86. She was the oldest victim in the Buffalo grocery shooting. What struck me in hearing her story was that she was on her way back from visiting her husband for eight years. Every day, she went to the nursing home and spent time with her husband. When she died, they had been married 68 years. Her oldest daughter, Robin, said that she and her mom liked to fish and to camp together. And they had tickets that very night to see Ain't Too Proud, the Broadway show about the temptations. Another daughter, Angela, described her mom as a powerhouse. She was beautiful, immaculate. And her son, Garnell, former Buffalo Fire Commissioner, described their mom as the glue that held the family together. She served humbly. Let's meet Dr. John Cheng, age 52. He was a doctor of sports medicine, father of two teenagers. He was visiting Laguna Woods, California with his mom. His dad had passed away, and his mom hadn't gone to church in a little bit. She was grieving. 
And he was encouraging her to return back to services. And there was a special luncheon that day for the pastor. She loved the pastor. And so he's like, let's go together. I'll come get you. I'll drive you there. We'll, we'll sit in service together. And at the luncheon, Dr. Chang jumped in front of several people to protect them and took three bullets. He was in a fraternity in college, and his fraternity brother James said he was a servant. He was a guy willing to do whatever for his friend. He was a master of martial arts, and he taught other people how to protect themselves. And then he protected them in the end. Amanda Glenn, age 40, she was a supervisor at the St. Francis Hospital in Tulsa, Oklahoma. She'd worked in the medical field for over 18 years, and everyone said she had a servant's heart. She loved to cook, and she really loved being involved with her sons and their sports teams. They were in baseball and football. And the, base, the high school baseball team posted on Facebook, Amanda was our booster club board member and served the boys and the coaches selflessly. They talked about her making runs to Sam's club where she'd buy all the snacks for the guys. She was the biggest cheerleader, they said, for both of her sons and all of our boys. Amanda's sister-in-law, Kristen, said she was always the first person to help, the first person to show up, and the last person to leave. And finally, let's meet Jose Manuel Flores, Jr., age 10. His uncle said he wanted the police officer when he grew up, certificate. Just hours before he died, Jose received an honor roll certificate. His dad said he's always full of energy. And his mom said he really loved helping out with his siblings. He loved any time he could hold a baby. He had three brothers, two sisters. And she said he was a great helper around the house. Jose would be like my little shadow, said his mom. There's so many more names we don't know. Every day in our lives, there's strangers who pass and lives who are born. And so these moments help us take stock of who's in our lives and what we know about them and the stories that have shaped us. An unknown or known, there is a beauty every time that we serve and that we learn someone else's story and we know that they impact. God shines through them, where the whether they're intending that or not. There's something about his glory that shows through when we honor other people, when we serve them. You know, Jesus, his whole point on earth was trying to shape lives. His point was to shape our lives. But he knew that to continue on, he needed to mold his followers, help them be the people who glorified God, who shaped others' lives for good. Because we're all impacting each other, and we can have negative, positive impacts on people. And Jesus was like, I need you all. You who are claiming to follow me, who say you want to serve God, who want to build his kingdom, I need you. I need you to be a certain way. And he's going to have some harsh words we're going to read today. Because he knew his time was getting close. He knew he wasn't going to be on the earth forever. And they had been looking around and seeing that not everyone who was living and claiming the name of God in Jesus' own town was living like it. And so he looked at his followers and he's like, I need you to be different. I need you to live in a way that's humble, that lifts others up, that shapes others to be better. 
because he knew that some of his followers, we don't know their names. Maybe they were unknown, and they served, and they lived. But some of his followers we know, we know by name. They're written down in the Bible. But whether known or unknown, Jesus knew the legacy he wanted for them to leave behind. So let's look in Luke chapter 17 today. We've been on a journey of the redeemed. We're seeing how not only did Jesus come to spread God's news, but he shaped every life he came in contact with. And we've been looking specifically at these lives. Today's verses come in context right after what Steve preached for us last week from Luke 16, where Jesus had talked about this strange story of a rich man and a poor man named Lazarus and, and what happened to them in the afterlife. And his, his whole point was to look at the religious leaders of the day and say, you're acting like rich celebrities instead of learning people's names who you're supposed to serve. So Jesus had just called them out, those who were supposed to lead in this time. And so now he turns to his followers to contrast that life. Like Jesus is saying, I don't want you to be like them. So let's read what he does say. Jesus says to his disciples, things that cause people to stumble are bound to come, but woe to anyone through who they come. It would be better for them to be thrown into the sea with a millstone tied around their neck than to cause one of these little ones to stumble. So watch yourselves. Let's define a few of the terms here. The little ones, we might think of children, but Jesus was speaking of anyone who's vulnerable in the community and also just anyone newer to their faith. Like There's plenty of stuff we know in life that's hard to still believe when we face a lot of negativity, a lot of harm, a lot of grief. But Jesus is saying, don't be the person that actually causes this to happen in other people's lives. And so a little one would be like new in the faith here. The second thing, there's a term called a millstone. Now there is a photo that we took and I got to be in Israel in 2005. And this was a millstone that was actually an ancient piece there. And you can see how large it is. Like it was supposed to be, you pour the grain in and you'd use this really heavy stone to press down and so that the grain would be broken down into smaller parts. But you can see how they're just huge. I wish I could, someone was standing beside it. So you could see these giant pieces made of stone. And you can imagine how heavy that is. And there's this, this very horrible metaphor. Jesus is getting dark here. But he's basically looking and saying, there's plenty in life that's causing people issues. Don't be the one reason that they stop believing. Don't be that person. And you know what? I think we can all think of people that we've seen in the news or maybe that's happened in our own lives or to friends we care about, especially when it's religious leaders, when it's people who are supposed to have known better that causes other people to stumble because of their, their selfish choices, their sins. And it's it doesn't just damage you as a person. It, it messes with your mind and your heart and your soul. And Jesus is like, if you're going to lead, you have an extra responsibility. There's an extra burden. And we've talked about the burdens and the blessings of being a follower of Jesus. But here Jesus was saying, like, 
if you're going to lead, you've got even more to carry on your shoulders because other people are watching. You know, I have to tell you that there was someone in my life, I went to college with this person, and a few years ago, they just made some, they made some very self-involved choices for their own ego. And they thought they did this in like a vacuum, like no one, it's just my choice, it's my life, it's my issue. But because I knew this person, people came up to me and they were like, what's going on? And they were really affected. And then I'm answering for the person, like, I don't know why they made this choice either. And I'm thinking, that person doesn't, may not even remember that this person over here exists. And yet they heard the story, they saw the choices that they made, and they knew they claimed to be a follower of Jesus. And there was damage done, and this person doesn't even think that their choices mattered to anyone else. But everything we do, it, it, it ripples. There's people that we don't even know who hear our story, who know our lives, and we can make it better or we can cause someone a lot of pain. I've seen it in action. And that's why Jesus was like, I'm going to be real blunt here. I'm going to be real strong in my visual so you know how important this is. Now, that's the negative impact that we're trying not to have on other people. What if other people have a negative impact on us? Jesus has a challenge there too. Let's keep reading. Verse 3 of Luke 17. If your brother or sister sins against you, rebuke them. And if they repent, forgive them. Even if they sin against you seven times in a day and seven times come back to you saying, I repent, you must forgive them. Now, in other times, Jesus has talked already in the book of Luke we've read where he talked about how to treat enemies. But this says brother and sister. These are people who are dear to us. Indicating people who share the same faith or following on the same journey alongside us. Now that might be harder for us to deal with than if it's an enemy, right? Because someone who has our trust, who knows us, who should have higher standards along with us. When they betray us, that's, that's a pain that's hard to bear. So here it is. Jesus has just said, don't do these things. Don't cause people to stumble. But hey, if someone actually does and they do repent, you are supposed to forgive them. That seems unfair. That's not fair. No. But that's our calling. That's the hard thing we're being asked to do. It takes humility. Because I should have the right to be mad. And that's true. I should have the right for you to apologize, and yes, he's saying, you can go confront them. But he said, forgive. Now, I also have to say this. It doesn't say proximity here. If someone is causing pain, you can forgive and still place a boundary. You can still be safe. It's not asking you to be in harm's way if someone has hurt you. It is saying to forgive. That's an internal That's an internal thing. But Jesus doesn't ask us to do things that he doesn't do himself. Jesus told us earlier in Luke how to pray. 
And he's like, when you pray and you ask God for daily bread, you also forgive us our sins, Luke 11, verse 3. For we also forgive everyone who sins against us. Well, reading that and thinking like, well, you're praying for daily bread and then you're praying for this, that probably happens pretty daily. And we learn in Lamentations, verse 3, ancient scriptures that says, The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. Jesus is like, I'm asking you to do what I'm doing for you, what God the Father is doing. Forgiveness. We are allowed to receive new mercies every morning. Therefore, we're called to give those new mercies as well. So Jesus' followers, they are hearing these words, and they're thinking, well, that seems impossible. Thanks for the task. Here's how they respond in their actual words. Verse 5, the apostle said to the Lord, increase our faith. Like they knew they couldn't figure out how to do this forgiveness thing, this not causing others to stumble thing on their own. They needed faith. And Jesus replied, if you have faith, as small as a mustard seed, you can say to this mulberry tree, be uprooted and planted in the sea, and it will obey you. So the weight of this task, it felt heavy. And these followers, they're like, well, who can do this? It takes, it takes a lot. Jesus is like, it just takes a little bit. We're going to uh, show a picture of a mustard seed. We've talked about the mustard seed before flower per, for perspective there, which is very small. Jesus is like, just, just a little bit. And then and God's power can do immeasurably more than you ask or imagine right here. I think that's a beautiful verse that a, a lot of us really enjoy because it's like, okay, that seems doable. That little bit of faith, when everything's hitting us, when, when there's more violence, when there's more funerals to attend, when there's brokenness may feel like I don't have any faith at all but maybe maybe I can find just a little bit just a little seed I like how N.T. Wright he's a theologian he said this it's not great faith you need it's faith in a great God faith is like a window through which you can see something what matters not is whether the window is six inches or six feet high what matters is the God that your faith is looking out on. I liked that visual this week. So it takes humility to not cause other people to stumble and live good lives. It takes humility to forgive. It takes humility to try to have a little faith. But now we have one more picture to close out Luke 17 and our verses today. Jesus says, suppose one of you has a servant plowing or looking after the sheep. Will he say to the servant when he comes in from the field, come along now and sit down to eat? Won't he rather say, prepare my supper, get yourself ready, wait on me while I eat and drink. After that, you may eat and drink. Will he thank the servant because he did what he was told to do? So you also, when you have done everything you were told to do, should say, we are unworthy servants. We have only done our duty. Jesus was being, being real direct here. But I think because of everything they had been witnessing, the way the religious leaders had been living among them, had been teaching people about God, 
We read in Luke 20 that, that these religious leaders liked the celebrity status. They liked the seats in the synagogue where everybody could see them. They liked when they walked by and people bowed in their general direction. Like Jesus was trying to look at his followers, and he, he knew the temptation would be there for them too. They're not immune. We're all human. We can all have giant egos. We can all be jerks. So Jesus was trying to say, I've chosen you, and that might feel special. But turn back to this. We've only done our duty. We're just servants, servants of God. In Proverbs 11, it says, When pride comes, then comes disgrace, but with humility comes wisdom. When the religious leaders were not being humble, when they didn't take on the attitude of a servant, what happened? Well, people stumbled. Or they feared God. They, they saw God as an enemy, as someone just waiting to strike them down. And Jesus was, spent his whole life trying to transition people's image of God. When the religious leaders did not take a servant attitude, they presented a religion that looked separatist, elitist, not humbly serving others. No wonder Jesus was being very clear here. The words might sound harsh, but he was trying to say, get your attitude right now. There's going to be plenty of stuff coming. If we choose to align ourselves with Jesus, we're taking on humble servanthood. That is our calling. It's not glamorous. It's not easy. I mean, there's so many things in life where it's just kind of urging us to want the attention or the credit. But Jesus is like, I'm, I'm giving you the spirit, and that's all powerful. But he needs you to be humbly using it for others, serving others, because that's what you signed on for. We opened this morning with stories Stories of lives, lives that were taken too soon. And this week I learned about a graduate program at Wheaton College where students spent their whole semesters trying to learn how to serve in those moments. It's called the Master of Arts in Humanitarian and Disaster Leadership. And so their whole goal is to try to be part of organizations, lead organizations that will go provide relief and aid, provide help domestically and internationally in times of crisis. And four students were interviewed about this program, and they said every one of them used the word humility somewhere in their answer. It seems that every class, they were really just pressed upon them. That if they were going to go serve in these crisis situations, they were going to go where death and heartache and harm has been, that they needed to do so in a posture of humility. One of the graduates, Joanna Danabalan, said this, the one thing I will take from me is that my task is to be faithful, not famous. And she said the program grounded her in humility, and she called it the courage to be unseen. I couldn't get that phrase out of my head all week. What a way to describe humility. 
the courage to be unseen. And I think that we all, if we really thought about it, we can think that the people who've mattered most in our lives haven't been the celebrity. They've been people who maybe not a lot of people knew their names, but who've had the courage to be unseen and serve our lives, shape us, teach us what matters, to put other people first. It does take courage. We live, we live in a time where it's like we just, we're encouraged to get ahead and, and to gain attention and to take on ourselves. But Jesus showed us another way. Have the courage to be unseen. We have rights. We have the right to do a lot of things. But Jesus is like, set aside those rights to live for a higher calling, for God's kingdom. We are unworthy servants. We have only done our duty. Each week, we look at these words, and we look at the life of Jesus, and like, what does that matter? <laughs> Lived a long time ago. What does that matter to our lives today? We say, how can we live as the redeemed people of Jesus? And we embody humility. That's our calling, to have the courage to be unseen, to go and like, if we're doing this, if we're here, if we're, if we're aligning ourselves with Jesus, we've got to look different. It's not easy, but if we're not living humbly, what are we doing? What are we doing it for? It's hard. <laughs> I want attention every day. But God calls us to keep serving. Because one day, we're going to be at your funeral. Or maybe I won't be there. Maybe, maybe some of us will. There'll be stories shared. And I just hope that there's some stories that other people haven't heard. That there's ways you have shaped lives for the glory of Jesus, just one person, and then maybe another person who's just a little bit better for having known you. Will you pray with me? God, we thank you for teaching us in the hard words, and we ask for, we ask for that tiny seed of faith to live out this giant calling. It, it sounds hard, God. We can't do it alone. So thank you for giving us one another on this journey. Thank you for being present in our lives that we're not alone, that your spirit is with us. But God, we, we step forward and we say we, we do believe in you. We, we thank you for your life on earth, Jesus, your example, and we'll, we'll take it on. We'll try today. We'll try again tomorrow to live humbly, to serve others, to think beyond ourselves. Thank you for modeling that for us. We love you, Lord. Amen. Thank you for the gift of your attention today. If you ever want to join Echo Church in person, we meet on Sundays at 1030 a.m. You'll find us at 1301 East McMillan Street. That's in the Walnut Hills neighborhood of Cincinnati, Ohio. 
just up the street from our city's beautiful Eden Park. Find out more about us on our website, echochurch.org. Have a great week.